This is Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Welcome to our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. And I'm really glad to have Dan Millender here today. Dan is executive director of the Baltimore Tree Trust. Trees are about as important for the environment as anything we know, Dan. Absolutely. I would even compare trees to the the, the oysters, you know, the trees are the, the oysters of land. Now, wait a second. You, okay, the oysters of the land. I was going to say, if you're putting them at, uh, even elevating above my favorite critter of all time, but no. Well, all green. All, all green, green does similar things, but trees stand out a little bit more than uh, the oysters that are hidden below. So they're everything filters. And, you know, you're, 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 the analogy actually is very apt. I hadn't thought about it. Reoxygenating, filtering, providing habitat, on and on and on. So let's start with the Baltimore Tree Trust. Give us a little bit of background and uh, what you do and um, things we should know. Well, the Baltimore Tree Trust was founded in 2009 specifically to plant street trees in disadvantaged communities in Baltimore City. We concentrate in the Harris Creek watershed, which is East Baltimore. If you're familiar with Baltimore and you've been to the Canton Safeway, which is right down the water's edge, um, Harris Creek enters the harbor there. Well, Harris Creek is unique. Unlike the Jones Falls, it was piped underground 100 years ago, and you can't see Harris Creek except where it emerges into the harbor. Um, So the Harris Creek watershed goes from basically Canton up north to Clifton Park. Um, It's all piped underground, and the communities in Harris Creek although they're not all disadvantaged. They all are disadvantaged of trees. Um, Many of the communities are just sidewalks, brick, and asphalt. And uh, the ladies who started our organization, Jill Jones, Amanda Cunningham, decided that there needed to be an organization that just planted trees. Parks and People is a wonderful organization. They've historically planted trees, as well as Blue Water Baltimore plants trees, but no one just plants trees. So our organization um, is very focused. We've been able to maintain that focus and we remove impervious surface um, sidewalks to create a place to plant a tree and then we plant trees. We concentrate in communities planting up the entire community, not 10 here or 10 there. Um, We start on one side of the community and religiously with precise metrics plant every place we can on the sidewalk so that we actually transform. I mean, one tree is good if you can plant one, but when you plant a street and then you plant both sides of the street and then it's blocks upon blocks upon blocks, it really is creating an urban forest as opposed to just planting the tree. Singularity of mission and and effort is really rare in this day and age. And I commend you for that. And that's, that's very exciting. Before we talk more about the trust and the trees and the progress, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get into this? Well, I'm a little bit of an entrepreneur at heart, and the, the Baltimore Tree Trust was a fledgling organization, so it was very exciting to be able to bring all kinds of new ideas and management and processes to a small organization. Um, I do have a, a bit of a, a agricultural-slash-business background where I was the uh, manager of a wholesale nursery in Westminster for Mm. many years. Um, We propagated many of our shrubs and trees um, selling to the wholesale market. So I understood the uh, dynamics of growing and planting trees. Um, I also have a financial background um, working for a custom home builder as the CFO. 
And I'm a little bit of an everyman, also an outdoorsman, so I really appreciate all the benefits of trees, oysters, and our whole watershed. So um, a good guy to run the Baltimore Tree Trust. They sound very lucky to have gotten you. Now, uh, give us a vision out 10 years. What, what would you like if, if everything went as well as you could possibly hope? <clears throat> well, you mentioned the simplicity of our, our organizational mission um, to plant trees and reforest Baltimore City. Well, when, when you look at the metrics, Baltimore City has approximately 26 to 27 percent urban canopy. So that, that's when you're looking from space or from above. Um, the amount of space in Baltimore City that's covered by a tree canopy is about 26, 27 percent. How, how does that compare with a Philadelphia, uh, Atlanta, uh, Washington, 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 D.C., for instance, is right about 40, 41 percent. Really? Yeah. And that is the goal set by... Um, I believe the National Forest Service for Baltimore. Now, the unfortunate part of that goal of, from going from 26 to um, 40% tree canopy is so many trees die every year, you know, without disease just because they age or, or the, the ills of living in, in an urban environment. And then we also have the um, introduction of the emerald ash borer, which is going to continue to plant, uh, to kill all, all the ash trees in Baltimore City as, as well as the state eventually. So when you think about getting to a 40% tree canopy, that involves 750,000 new trees. And to do it, we have to be planting 25,000 trees a year. And all of the tree planting groups in Baltimore plant between 5,000, maybe up to 750 or 7,500 trees a year. So we are way, way, way short of 25,000 trees a year. And then with um, the destruction that the emerald ash borer is going to present, um, we're not even staying even. So we're going backwards, even though it might not appear um, that we are. We're, it appears that we've actually done a little bit better from 26 to 27% in the last 10 years. However, it's about to probably drop to 20%. The, uh, let, let's pause and talk about the emerald ash borer for a second, because that's really going to be a devastating uh, situation for, for, is it, is it Maryland and beyond? Is it the it, mid-Atlantic? It is Maryland and beyond. Um, the, the most, um, Pennsylvania, Virginia. And, and it's unique how diseases, um, travel. If you, if you know the history of the chestnut blight and, um, Dutch elm disease, um, some trees were never affected. Um, most were, um, and, uh, all of the efforts that man, tried to quarantine, the man tried to implement a quarantine areas, um, did not work. It will not, will also not work with the emerald ash borer unless we were able to invent a parasite or something to actually kill the emerald ash borer. Um, but for instance, Washington DC has very, very, very few ash trees. So as a, as a city, they're not going to be affected, um, like Baltimore. And it's estimated anywhere between 200,000 and 290,000 ash trees are in Baltimore. Now, luckily, we only have about 5,000 on the street as street trees. So most that die will die um, on private property or in our parks. Um, but it's a significant number. And unfortunately, to motivate um, our constituency of tree lovers and environmentalists, um, seeing is believing. And until giant trees start dying in parks, um, it's hard to motivate um, individuals for action or politicians for action because you can't see it happening yet. 
Yeah, and there, there, there's probably, uh, from what little I know, not a lot we can do. If there is, correct me. But one thing I understand from reading that you can do or should do is as soon as there's any indication of the bore, you should take that tree down. Um, is that correct? That, that is correct for safety reasons and as well as you'd stop the larvae in the tree from, from spreading. However, um, when it's going to become thousands and thousands of trees, um, the infestation's here and we can't stop it. Now, you can if you have a prized tree or a tree um, that you like and you have the financial resources, you can have the tree inoculated by a professional company. Um, I've heard it costs about $10 per caliper inch of the tree. Wow. And the, um, the downside of it is the inoculation only lasts for two to three years. So you have to do it every three years in the, in the worst, uh, best case scenario, and you would have to do it in perpetuity. Now, maybe when the, the bug runs its course in um, Maryland, maybe their emerald ash borers had moved on to um, greener pastures, and you might not have to inoculate the tree, but um, expensive proposition. But you could save a tree, a prized tree in your yard, but you'd have to have the, the and, resources. And it only affects ash trees? Yes, but all varieties of ash. All varieties. There are of green ash. ash, white ash, purple ash, even black ash, um, and it affects all varieties. Okay, now that you've gotten us um, properly uh, depressed, let's talk <laughs> about some good things that sure. are happening. So give us an idea of how you're doing. Um, how, who's involved, volunteers, what people sure. can do. And then tell a little bit, maybe this will get us depressed again, but the, um, the, the viability of urban trees and what their challenges are and what people in the neighborhood can do to help them. Sure. The Baltimore Tree Trust um, works in conjunction with a group in Baltimore City under um, Recreation and Parks. The Forestry Division of Baltimore City is under Recreation and Parks, and they have a tree planting group called Tree Baltimore. Um, Blue Water Baltimore, Parks and People, the Orchard Project, as well as the Baltimore Tree Trust are all tree planting partners in that group. Because we plant street trees and we have to remove um, Baltimore City sidewalk to do that, there's a permitting process that has to happen. And then after we raise money and actually implement it by planting that tree with volunteers or um, paid staff, that tree becomes city property. So uh, as much as... Uh, it's an independent effort to help. Um, ultimately, after two years, the city will be responsible for maintaining the tree, and that that leads to a whole whole nother conversation about um, all these tree planting groups planting trees. That budget's going to the city's budget of maintenance in the future is going to have to be uh, bumped up just to support you know the good work we're doing now. And um, there are lots of dilemmas in um, taking a disadvantaged neighborhood where trees are not the norm, mm -hmm. where other things are the norm, mm -hmm. like crime or unemployment, and making trees the norm in, in those communities because change is hard for all of us, and um, trees aren't really that important on Maslow's hierarchy of needs if you don't have a job or you don't feel safe walking the streets. Now, our organization believes otherwise. We believe the trees, street trees especially, make the tipping point to bring a new health to communities that desperately need it. Um, but trees are not embraced by everyone. So uh, Baltimore's got a big challenge. D.C., with such high percentage of tree cover compared to Baltimore, was that done um, proactively or is that historic? 
uh, historic and by chance. Um, DC just doesn't have ash trees, um, but they do have a group called Casey Tree, which has a wonderful endowment. And um, I believe Casey Tree doesn't even plant street trees anymore because um, they concentrate on, you know, their streets are very well planted up and they concentrate on, on planting trees in other locations, like on individuals' private property. Mm -hmm. Something that Casey Tree has championed and someday our organization in Baltimore should champion as well is um, placing all all trees, private or public, in the public domain. So KC Tree pushed legislation through, and I believe that it's 16 inches <clears throat> at, at waist, uh, diameter, <clears throat> that a tree that reaches 16 inches in diameter on private property becomes public domain. And to cut that tree down, you'd have to get a permit. Now, it is the landowner's tree, and they can cut it down if they want. However, they'd have to get a permit, which would plant other trees in, in, in place of that. And it's uh, very interesting to think about when you think about um, potential like hunting regulations and waterfowl. You know, once upon a time, if the, the migratory goose was on your property, it was on your table for dinner. <laughs> and if everyone did that, then you're not managing a migratory species. So when, you know, as a migratory hunting species is, you know, um, the domain of all of the public and should be managed from a big picture, Trees are becoming that way, especially in urban forest, and maybe even the state. Um, we have such little forest canopy compared to what we did when um, Europeans first came to North America that we do have to change um, legislation and thought processes about trees, private trees even being for the good of all. You know, uh, yeah, and even uh, even the domestic geese, which cause such problems. I mean, I'm, you mentioned Clifton Park before. I was in Clifton Park not long ago, and the, all the domestic geese who stay there year-round. Um, mm, we yeah. could do with a little fewer of them, actually. Sure. So uh, I, I want to come back to the benefits of trees. So we So we really emphasize what they do for us. But first, one more thing I've always wondered about city trees you'll see a tree growing with only a few square feet of soil mm -hmm. around them. Right. That's the only area which can collect water to nurture the roots. Is, is that that's correct? I mean, uh, even, they... th even though our pavement and our sidewalks and our streets are impervious, um, you'd be surprised how much water gets under there and then is trapped. So, so they're getting some value from the infiltration yeah, and, and inflows. Yeah, right. So that... once upon a time, tree pits were three by three, you know, 36 inches by 36 inches. Um, the city of Baltimore now mandates that the smallest pit should be um, four by eight and five by 10 would be much better. And um, for new for, for new plantings, because we certainly have a lot that are very small. Right. Yeah. And, and you'd be surprised that the tree in the right location, his roots, his or the tree's roots find his or her, yeah, his <laughs> or her roots find. Um, and there is a difference. Uh, you should investigate ginkgos if you are interested in the difference between male and female. Uh -huh. uh, ginkgos produce a fruit that is very very pungent, and they don't plant female ginkgo trees anymore in in the cities because. Okay, now hold on. I got to get I got to get educated here. There are male and female trees. Uh, yes, not all varieties have male and female, but the ginkgo d definitely does. So if you've ever been under uh, a female ginkgo tree, um, Baltimore Sunpaper is a great example of some very mature, beautiful female ginkgos. Um, they produce a, a fruit that has a very, very pungent, foul smell and flavor uh, in the fall. So 
You can check that out. You, interesting. You'll know when you're <laughs> under a female ginkgo tree. I'm going to learn something new. So um, we do um, the best. We make tree pits as large as we can. It right. involves removing more concrete, which there's city mandate to move remove 4,000 acres of con impervious surface. Plenty um, of benefit there as plenty well. Plenty of benefits there. Um, one of the, the dilemmas is there's a national law um, for wheelchairs that says there must be 48 inches of um, unobstructed sidewalk for wheelchairs. Now, many side streets in Baltimore City don't have 36 inches around the stoops to the sidewalk. So um, it's a national law that uh, probably only applies to half the city. But however, since we make new cuts, um, there are many mm -hmm. streets we can't cut on because we can't accommodate wheelchairs. So there are streets in Baltimore that will never have trees until um, massive redevelopment. Well, we have listeners, obviously, from all over the watershed and beyond. Uh, so let's talk about urban trees in general and the benefits that they bring to the environment, to human health, to the beauty of the area. Just give us a, a just let's not assume anybody really has the full sure. suite of so, ideas. So um, one of the um, things we learn as little school children is trees create oxygen. Um, and that's uh, fairly important. It's, it's been said the average tree creates 260 pounds of oxygen a year. And um, even though air is made up of much more than oxygen, that's a, a positive benefit. Um, they store carbon. They not only suck up rainwater or stormwater, but they also sequester it. And uh, if, if you don't understand what I mean, stand under you know, a, a nice canopy of a tree in a 10-minute summer, summer thunderstorm, and you could stay dry under a tree. Well, that um, sponge effect or that slowing the rainfall effect um, means a whole lot when you get an inch of rain in, in a deluge. Um, it slows the water from hitting our uh, overwhelmed uh, storm drain system and uh, ultimately will wash less pollution in. So tree canopies not only suck up water, but they also... Um, slow its fall. They also transpire water, which is evaporate, which cools the city naturally. There have been lots of studies about the ill effects of heat islands in our Absolutely. urban in our urban um, atmosphere, and trees are the best way to combat, one of the best ways to combat heat islands. Of course, more green infrastructure and more green spaces um, are important too, but um, street trees, we believe, creates the tipping point um, that will help communities where trees and green spaces are not the norm to begin to embrace green as part of our city landscape where we have the red brick and the, the, the drab sidewalk and the gray asphalt. So we're all about green at the Tree Trust. And in producing the oxygen, but also reducing the pollution. Yeah, uh, uh, catching particulates, trapping particulates, um, also creates habitat for birds. You know, there's a giant... Um, movement to uh, plant native species um, as we reforest our cities and native species support native wildlife that was here and still around even though it might have been driven out of parts of the, the city. Um, there's also lots of economic benefits that are a little bit harder to quantify. There are studies be being done that say trees add 10 per street trees add 10% value to homeowners um, and 
our organization is getting to the point where our first communities are becoming four and five years old. And um, our first, our, our inaugural community was called McElroy Park. It's about mm-hmm. six, five, six blocks east of Hopkins between um, Monument Street and uh, Orleans Street on the south. And a very, very high crime neighborhood. And in our near future, uh, we're going to compile statistics from 10, 15 years ago and see if the trees are beginning to make a difference. Um, It's a community that's heavily um, populated by renters. However, we can also track um, housing costs. So um, trees have lots of benefits that that are not easy to measure, and there maybe are some that are easy to measure. So... um, and we're, we live in a society that requires more and more measurement, more and more defending of what one is trying to do, especially if it involves change. Yeah, change is the, is the big word there. You know, um, many of the disadvantaged communities um, have pollution, trash problems, visual, visible trash problems, you know, bags and, and bottles. And, you know, much of the, the trash or the pollution problem that we fight for the Bay is a little bit more invisible and in nutrients and sediments, less visible trash um, I am happy to say, and I'm sure you're aware, the, that the Harris Creek um, inflow to the harbor is also getting a trash wheel to take some of that visible pollution out. So um, I believe that's going to be implemented this year. So that's fairly exciting. And uh, the Baltimore Tree Trust is doing our part um, in the northern part now of the uh, the watershed to help reduce sediment and the, uh, the loads, the nutrient loads that um, impervious surface puts on the harbor. So, you know, I, for one, don't really have any concept of what a tree costs. And I'm sure it's not as simple as the price of actually going to the nursery and buying the tree. What, 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 give us a sense of the economics of this. That's a great question. And what I want to start with is there's a wonderful benefit of trees. Trees as a capital investment are very unique because most capital investments depreciate over time. And every year a tree lives and continues to live on a city street, it appreciates. It appreciates. And most capital investments don't work that way. Um, So unfortunately, it's a large investment to remove uh, 32 square feet of concrete to make a four by eight pit. Um, A vendor will charge anywhere from $240 to $600. And you might say, wow, that's a really, really big range. Um, the commercial companies that have large insurances and do it all mechanically are up around that $600 range. However, there are small outfits that do it manually with jackhammers, that closer to $240, $250. Um, and there's another unique um, unseen part of removing concrete. You don't know how many generations of sidewalk you're working with until you make the cut and start removing it. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes you go through a, si- a new sidewalk and then an old sidewalk and then a layer of brick and then even a layer of oyster shell, depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't always know how much concrete you have to remove when you're cutting um, four by eight because um, you just don't know how deep it goes. So there's can be hidden costs there. Then we augment the soil. There's a cost in putting good nutrients back into that pit. The tree might cost anywhere from $130 to $150. Steaks, um, mulch, a $15 gator bag. And then you have to fill that 20-gallon gator bag. The gator bags are those green bags you right. see at the base of trees. Um, it's very important to get the trees a good start. And when you plant a tree who came from you know the Carroll or the Baltimore 
um, county countryside on a city street where you know, they literally bake in the summertime. Um, trees need to be watered 20 gallons at least once a week, depending on how much Mother Nature adds. Um, so the going rate's between 6 and $9 per fill on a gator bag. Um, and we, uh, we water our own trees. Um, but we planted so many trees last year that we were on a 11-day watering cycle mm-hmm. to water all the trees we planted. So we're, we're getting up to about $1,000 in capital cost per tree uh, between, and then maintenance that's annual after that. That's right. 800 to $1,000 is, is what it takes to get the tree planted and get it um, moving along. And then there's, a, there's an amount of loss you have. Um, believe it or not, drunk drivers drive on the sidewalk, um, accidents, construction, all kinds of tree, uh, things can um, cause a tree to need to be replanted, which we always do because there's so much investment in getting a place to plant it that um, we don't have any dead trees hanging around because they, they get replaced quickly. Well, well, Dan, as a resident of Baltimore, I am very grateful to you for what you're doing, but I also know that what the Tree Trust is doing is an inspiration to other cities and municipalities around the Chesapeake Bay watershed. You've got a big hill yet to climb. Uh, I know you can use all the friends and volunteers and support you can get Tell us how you people can get a hold of you. How can they help? Absolutely. Um, we have a great Twitter feed as well as um, a website that um, depicts all of our um, planting events. In the winter, we do pruning workshops where we go out on the streets of Baltimore and prune. Um, you can check out uh, www.baltimoretreetrust.org to see our upcoming events. Baltimoretreetrust.org. Correct. And, of course, um, your financial support is also appreciated. Um, if you don't have the resources for that, you're um, in person. Come to an event. Help us plant or prune a tree is just as good. And um, I want to pitch just real quickly here. Um, in our partnership with the other tree planting groups, um, we help lead um, a program called Baltimore Tree Keepers, where we educate citizen foresters on how to plant trees and how to prune trees. Those classes are also um, detailed on our website. And the more tree advocates and um, professionally trained volunteers we can get, the more trees we can plant and prune, um, improve the canopy and, uh, you know, the general health of Baltimore City, as well as the entire health of the Chesapeake Bay. Well, Dan, thank you very much. And for our listeners in other parts of the watershed that have ideas or questions, don't hesitate to let us know or let Dan know directly. And um, we're really grateful. Uh, It sounds like a wonderful program. I will look at trees in the city with a newfound adoration. Uh, I'd always appreciate them, but this has opened my eyes to even more values than I knew. So for Dan Millender, this is Will Baker our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Bay. Thanks very much, Dan. Thank you.